Well, here we are again. Here we are worshiping together but apart. And it looks like we're going to continue doing this for April, at least. And I don't like it this way. I know it's not your preferred way, but here we are. And I want to convey to you a message this morning. And But first, before we get into the message, I want to say happy birthday, Mom. Today, my mom turned 75 years old. She was born in 1945. She might not want me sharing that. But she is a classic baby boomer. Her father was a submariner in World War II, my grandfather, and loaded torpedoes. Uh, while my grandmother was not Rosie the Riveter, but she was Jane the Welder, working in the Houston shipyards, welding the big guns on top of the battleship. So... They did what so many others did after the war ended. They came home and started their family. And my mom was right at the beginning of that baby boom generation. And today is her 40, today, born in 45. Today is her 75th birthday. And I had great plans for bringing my mom to Winsboro and us worshiping together and being together and celebrating together. But as it is, she's at home staying safe. I hope you're at home staying safe. I'm trying to stay home and stay safe. And we will have to celebrate later. But I will say, uh, my mom's name is Pam, if you don't already know. But if you want to type a little happy birthday in the comments to her, and just to say congratulations on turning 75, I would appreciate it. Help me celebrate with her, because being in person and celebrating that way is going to have to wait. And for my lesson, I actually intended on talking quite a bit about my mom, embarrassing her greatly. Uh, but I'm going to wait to do that whenever we can be together. I don't want to do that on camera. So, Mom, you have to wait and build up the excitement and anticipation of that. But I thought, well, what should I preach on in these times, in these strange times? And I can do more lessons directed, directed toward our situation. And then I well, let's do something a little bit out of the ordinary, maybe a little bit even fun. I want to talk to you this morning about monopoly. And I know that's a strange topic for a preacher to preach on. Uh, don't worry, we're going to get to Scripture and what God says and how I think monopoly can teach us a lesson about God. And But to set it up, I want to say that when I was at home, I was the youngest of three boys. I was the baby, and my father passed away whenever I was in junior high. I actually had a, a, a brother pass away in high school as well. So there were some years where it was mostly me and my mom. My other brother had gotten married and was starting his family. And so at the end of my high school and then throughout college on my trips home and staying at home, it was often just me and mom, and we would talk sometimes. We would argue sometimes. I was a teenager, young adult, and we still like to argue. My mom and I are a lot alike, so we find a lot of things to argue about. And we watched MASH. I remember reruns of MASH, and we played some games, and it was when I was in high school, I believe, that I found something I thought, wow, I found a Star Wars, Star Wars version of Monopoly. Now, I played Monopoly before with my cousins. And those games ended like most Monopoly games I'm aware of, that somebody would get bored or tired or frustrated and the game would drag on forever and eventually everybody would quit and walk off. 
I played lots of those games with my cousins. But when I saw the Star Wars Monopoly, I'm a nerd. I'll just go ahead and put that out there right now. I embrace my nerdiness. And I like Star Wars, and I like board games. And so I saw the Star Wars Monopoly. I'm, I want that. And so we got it, and I did something I'd never done before. I read the instructions. And I realized my cousins were not playing by the rules. They were making up their own rules, and that was part of the problem. And so I got where I would play with my mom, the Star Wars version of Monopoly. And we did it several times, and you know what? The games would take an hour, hour and a half at most. They were fun. Um, and I got where I'm a Monopoly fan now. There's something about Monopoly, I think, that points us to God. And that thing has to do with a long-time slogan of Monopoly, own it all. The goal of Monopoly is pretty simple. Be the last one standing. See, Monopoly is a game of winner-take-all. So whoever wins, they have everything. And everyone else all walk away with the same thing. Nothing. The only one that walks away with everything is the winner. The one who controls all the money and all the property, hence the term Monopoly. And that's the goal of the game. And a lot of people like different aspects of Monopoly. Some people like the fact that it teaches good money skills, or at least a few money skills, particularly the idea of reinvesting your profits. That's a big part of Monopoly that you have to be willing to do if you have any chance of squeezing the other guys out. That's the goal. Uh, some like the fact that it's a good balance of luck and strategy, that you can plan and trade and use your wits and your skills to do what you can, but also you have the roll of the dice, obviously, and so it's a good balance. Most people, when polled in national surveys about what they like most about Monopoly, it's the pieces. It's the little car, the little dog. My favorite thing, though, is that when you play Monopoly, you get to be cutthroat. You may be surprised that your creature likes to be cutthroat when he plays board games, but I do. Uh, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it, actually. And like I mentioned, I passed it on to my kids, and now they're being cutthroat with me. But if that surprises you or sounds strange, I want to say something even stranger. I think God is cutthroat. Now, obviously we serve a wise and good and generous and benevolent God who serves and gives and loves and is patient with us. That is seen throughout all of Scripture. But I want to use this idea of winner-take-all and look at what's ahead, what's in the future. Here we are in this time, and we are very concerned with the world around us, and the right here and the right now and the immediate. Because all the different moving parts, all the things in play, the different people, the different issues, the, obviously the virus that we get caught up in the right here and the right now. We get worried, we get overwhelmed, and we live, and so we are gonna be affected by the circumstances in which we live, but a day is coming when the game will be over. 
And not that life is just a game, life is so much more than that. But a day was coming, a day is coming whenever there will be one winner. When there will be one victor and all that oppose him, all that stand against him will lose. There will only be one God, one king, and his kingdom. And that kingdom will be the reunification of all of heaven and earth. It will be everything made new, recreated, and us living forever free of the things we worry about now, free of sin and death and sadness and separation and toil and anxiety, free of the things that hold us down. Because when God wins, everything will be changed. I'm going to embrace my nerdiness a little bit more and say that I really like the Marvel movies, the, the, the comic book movies that have been made, and obviously a lot of people like the Marvel movies. They've made a lot of money. I don't know how many of you saw them, but I'm going to say that I can give you a spoiler at this point. Uh, if you haven't watched them yet, I don't know that you're going to. There is a scene in Infinity War, one of the last movies that kind of culminated the story that all these other movies put together have been telling. And it's at the end of the movie, and they're up against the bad guy, Thanos, and they're realizing that they might not win. And there's this character, Doctor Strange, who can see into the future because he's got a magic time stone that can manipulate time that he wears around his neck. And anyway, he goes, he looks into the future and then tells all the other superheroes that I looked at three million, whatever the number is, uh, different possible outcomes for this fight against the bad guy. And they ask him, well, how many do we win? And he said, just one. Uh, for some of you, the end of a Monopoly game is predetermined. You know exactly what's going to happen before you even start. And your Monopoly game looks something a little bit like this. I'm going to buy hotels from Mount Doom and Baird Dirt. that anyone else will win but God. There is one future to which we are heading. There is one who will win and control and have dominion and his reign will be complete and perfect and never ending. 
and the path we use to get there, I don't know. When that day will come, I don't know. Scripture tells us, tells us we won't know. And while you know the prophets of Scripture prepare us for that day, there are a lot of unknowns as to how exactly it will unfold and what it will look like when it finally arrives. And again, the path that this will take to get there. And there are many different ideas and people have debated those ideas for centuries and will continue to. But I know the end result. I know that God will win. That the game, that the life, this universe will reach the point where winner take all. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. In this verse, we're told that the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are too, and they will be tormented there day and night forever and ever. Here's the thing that gets missed a lot in our culture and in our comics. I'm a big Farside fan. And so many of the Far Side comics are a picture of what hell is like. And for some of you, you may think, well, there's going to be a lot of Monopoly boards there. I don't know. But in the Far Side comics, you had the devil with his pitchfork standing up on top of a uh, ledge, maybe looking down on all, all the poor souls suffering. And, and they were funny, they were humorous, but here's the thing. In hell, the devil is not in charge. Hell is not Satan's consolation prize. It is not the thing he gets for coming in second. There is no second place. When, thing, when everything is done, God will be the only victor. And everyone else will stand equally as the loser. Those who have usurped him, opposed him, rebelled against him. And Satan is the obvious one who is the chief rebeller, is the chief usurper. He is the one that stands opposed to God. And it's not like he's going to get his second place trophy and the things that come with it or his little piece of property in which to have fire and burn people. Actually, hell was made for Satan. Satan has rebelled against God, and in so doing, he will rebel. And what the Bible tells us is don't make that mistake. Don't rebel against God too. Look at Scripture. Look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Look at the story of Israel rebelling and chasing after the other gods and the nations around them. Look at how in the New Testament they nailed the Son of God, the incarnate God, God made flesh to a cross. We rebel. God tells us what to do and we choose to do otherwise. We don't accept the reign of our king. We want to be in charge. We want to call the shots. And along that path is only losing. Along that path, we cannot win. And that's why as a church, we believe and we express and we tell people, be saved. Turn. Accept God as your king. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. 
submit to him, serve him, because he will rule. He is, in fact, ruling, but one day that rule will be complete, and we will serve him and live with him and experience it, the blessings of his good rule forever. Every time in Scripture where someone rebelled, every time where something broke, where someone did the wrong thing, it maybe took a long time, God steps in and claims his kingdom back. It's a repeating pattern. And it's building up to the climax that we're not at yet. Jesus was the pinnacle. How God reclaimed this world through his own sacrifice of his own son. But the ending, the finale, the conclusion, that is whenever everything is done. And God has it all. And those who have continued to rebel and reject God have nothing. There's a beautiful word in Scripture. It's redeem. Not a word we use a lot, but it has some very practical applications. Uh, not many of us coupon anymore, at least cut them out of the newspaper, like maybe it was done so much more a few decades ago or a generation ago, but there's still coupons out, and you read the fine print in the coupon, and you say, see the word redeem. You redeem coupons. And what happens with a coupon is that you have this piece of paper that says that the company is willing to buy a portion of the cost of their product so that you can receive it at a discount price. So what happens is you redeem the coupon. Or as you turn in the coupon, the company redeems the coupon. They pay the store for what was theirs. They printed the coupon. They gave it to you to use, and whenever you turn it into the grocery store, that company is actually buying back what belonged to them. And however much they buy back that piece of paper for, is how much you get discounted on the thing that you're trying to buy. So to redeem is to buy back, to reclaim, to get back something that is rightfully yours. Thinking about God and creation and this world and the entire universe, it's his. He's not a vicious, power-hungry tyrant. He's just the rightful owner who knows how to govern wisely and to rule wisely and to bestow good and generous things for his creation, for his people, for his children. And it was all his. And yet in our rebellion, we pulled it away. We thought, I want this piece of property. I want, I want boardwalk. I want park place. Or I want Mediterranean Avenue. Whether it's the cheap one or the expensive one on the board, we wanted our little slice of the pie. But the thing is, we don't get a slice of the pie as in we don't get an area where we are in control. We simply serve the God who is in control of all. And we eagerly expect and wait for the day when he comes and redeems, when he comes and he buys back. He's already done it through Christ, but when he comes to fully take hold of what is his. And that helps me in times like this, where I don't know what today is bringing, much less tomorrow.
I don't know how it's going to affect me and my family and my bank account and you know, the things that we might worry about. I know so many of you work, have more to be concerned about than I do. I'm doing okay. Um, some people are losing their jobs. Some people are losing their livelihood or their businesses which they pour so much time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears to are crumbling around them. And they don't know, and I don't know how all this is going to turn out. It's a crazy world. But I will say this. One day, this crazy world will be redeemed, reclaimed, bought back, and come back into the possession of its rightful owner. And there won't be any portion of this world that God won't have. And that should be a lesson for us, that in our lives, there should be no portion of our life that God does not have. I shouldn't keep one little corner of my heart closed off, well, that's my space, where I get to do what I want to do, or think what I want to get to think. That's not what having a king means. A king, the rightful king, lays claim to everything. He has the monopoly. There are no competitors. And as Christians, we say, okay, we surrender what we have, who we are, to the God that we know one day will have everything. Everything will submit to him. Heaven and earth will be new. All of creation will be healed, made new, reclaimed, redeemed. Dying, death, pain, suffering will be done away. And our God will be victorious. In the game of Monopoly, it's against the rules to team up and uh, share your, pool your resources together as a team. It's not allowed. Everybody's supposed to play independently. But here's the thing. We're not playing that game. It's my illustration this morning, but... What God asks for is you team up with me. Not because he needs our resources, but because he says this is your one chance to win. This is your only chance to come through on the other side victorious because I guarantee you, I will win. In this world, this life, this universe is winner take all. And have we given our all to God? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness, but is being patient toward you, because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I mentioned earlier that God is cutthroat. And I want us to embrace the idea that there is no second place, that whenever God chooses to win, he will win, and there will be no other. There will be no other challenger to his authority or to his rule or to his reign. But we have this beautiful, beautiful verse in 2 Peter that says he is patient. Some think he's being slow. Where is he? Jesus was supposed to come back already. They're, they're getting impatient. The game's taking too long. God says, don't mistake my patience for a lack of caring or a lack of involvement or for anything like laziness. Don't think I'm just forgotten. 
Don't think I'm slow. God tells us I'm patient. Because while there's a cutthroat aspect to the fact that he will win, and there's no way around that, and he will do everything in his power too, and he already has. He let his son die on a tree. There is the aspect of that he loves us. And as he wins, he wants us to share in that victory with us. And so he is patient. He is waiting. Waiting to give us a chance to come to his side. To embrace the victory he has already attained through Jesus Christ and the victory that will be completed when Jesus Christ comes back. So in this time, in this moment, I hope you find some encouragement in that. I don't want to scare you by talking about hell. I mean, Lord knows we're scared enough in these times with everything going on around us, but I want to give you hope. God will win. And we as his people will join him in that victory and that victory will be complete. It will be final. And right now, He's being patient, giving us, his children, his creation, more and more opportunities to embrace him as our king and to surrender our lives to him. Let's close out together in prayer. Dear Father, we eagerly expect, we wait for the day of your victory. Like the early Christians, the ones who lived and saw Jesus themselves or who were the first generation or two of Christians, Father, we say Maranatha. That ancient word, Lord, come quickly. Lord, bring your victory. Put down and crush sin and death and pain and suffering and sickness and hatred Conquer, Father, those long-standing enemies and overwhelm Satan and those who have committed themselves to his service. And Father, come and restore what is good and what is right and make all things new. And Father, whether that be today or in, a, or in a month, or a year, or a decade, or a century, or another millennia, or whatever, Father. We believe you will win. Help us to hold on to that belief, even as the days we live in are difficult. Father, bless us as a church, even though we are Apart from each other, we are still the church, and we, are, we still proclaim Jesus until he comes again. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. For the past week, we have been severely tested. Further testing is to come, 
last week in Colby's lesson, he spoke of Paul and how he was able to do just about anything that he needed to do as long as he had Christ with him. One of Paul's greatest assets was his adaptability, the ability to endure most any situation, hardship, danger, whatever, and with God's help to come out on the plus side. The Hebrew writer speaks of contentment, of hardships, and how we all must face hardships to gain that discipline and contentment that we really need. In Hebrews, in the 12th chapter, in verse 7, it tells us to endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? Farther down in verse 11, it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And over in chapter 13, in verse 5, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Let's keep in mind that he will never leave us never forsake us. Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we think of the cross and of Christ's body as it hung on it. As we prepare to take of this bread, which represents his broken body on that cross, we pray that we will take of it in a manner that will be well-pleasing to you. It's in your Son's name that we pray. continue our communion. We pray that we, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, as it represents Christ's blood as it was shed on the cross, and we will do so in an acceptable and pleasing manner. As always, this is done in remembrance of him. It's in his name that we pray. This will conclude our communion service for this week. Everyone stay safe and we will persevere. Good morning, church. It's been a while since we've gathered together, but I want to tell you nobody misses being together more than I do. And nobody is looking forward to being together more than I am. Colby spoke of games in his lesson this morning. And my family's been spending time playing Rook and Yahtzee and Sequence and some other games. And everybody enjoys playing games. But everybody wants to win. 
Everybody wants to be a winner. Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians about a race and a runner. And he speaks about running a race quite often in several books. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. They do it, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slaves, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In playing games, you get to play it over and over and over again. If you don't win the first game, you say, okay, let's play again. Because I got to win. I want to win. And we keep playing until we're the winner. But in life, we don't get to redo life over and over and over and over until we get it right. We have one life, one chance, one race. And that's what we are participating in. Our one chance to live our lives for God. Paul said at the end of his life in 2 Timothy, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Live in such a way to gain the crown of life. Church, have a blessed week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You are in our thoughts and our prayers every day. May the Lord bless you. Just a little closing note. Um, this week, as we are at home with our families, not able to do the normal things we're used to, I would like to see pictures of you playing board games. Um, I would like to see maybe you playing Monopoly or maybe throwing the board up in the air. I, take a picture of you and your family having fun. Uh, let's share that together this week. 
And as we look forward to Easter next week, and we're still going to have to continue in this uh, social distancing and isolation, and it's not the way I want to celebrate Easter with my new church family, but um, as we look forward to it, show me your, your board games. Show me how your family has fun together. Put it in the comments, post a picture, go to the website, put it there, whatever, but... Uh, as everyone else often talks about what's dark and scary in our news feeds, uh, let's share together what is good and wholesome and enjoyable. And so show me what you've been playing. I'd like to see it. God bless.